feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, big news coming out of the city of Chicago. Mayor Lori Lightfoot has finished third in Tuesday's election. And that means she is not even making it to the runoff that will take place soon. The two top competitors make it to the runoff. And it includes a guy who is the former Chicago Public Schools CEO, Paul Vallis, He had the highest amount, and that was at 35%. What's interesting about Paul Vallis is he also had the support of the Fraternal Order of Police. And one of the things that he made clearly, first and foremost, was being tough on crime. So I say bravo to the city of Chicago and the voters of Chicago. Because Lori Lightfoot, who has had an abysmal record with fighting crime... Uh, Every time she seems to turn around, she decries racism and basically even said to people even as recently as a few hours ago, basically, if you don't vote for me, you're racist. And if you don't like me and she's openly gay, she said you're homophobic. All these things that she was throwing out at people. And she even said she was mad that there were other competitors in the race who were African-American saying that they should not be in the race, that she should be the only African-American. I mean, it was just these bizarre comments. So I want to hear your thoughts tonight because the news is just breaking just in the last few minutes that Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago, who I think has been one of the worst mayors in this country and I think has led Chicago to a path of ruin and destruction, is now out. She did not make it to the final runoff. And again, the top two challengers make it. It is this guy who I mentioned, Paul Vallis, who uh, at the latest count has 35%. Some of the votes are still coming in. And then the other one was a Cook County Commissioner, Brandon Johnson, who uh, came in a distant second, actually, at 20%. And again, uh, those two candidates would be the ones who would actually be in the runoff. So this is great news, I say, for the city of Chicago. It is great news for America. It comes at a time where I think about in St. Louis, we've got the Missouri Attorney General saying enough about the prosecutor there. Remember that prosecutor who basically has had some of the softest on crime policies across this country? And the Missouri Attorney General is trying to get rid of that St. Louis prosecutor. She says she's not going anywhere But he's trying to get rid of her. And there is a Democratic mayor there that's also trying to push her out because he says she's not good on crime. And then the big news again, Lori Lightfoot, who was one of the most well-known, most highly visible mayors in the country. Uh, This is the girl who was dancing. Remember, back and forth and singing and laughing all the time when they were talking about crime. And when there were businesses that were very unhappy with Chicago. Some major businesses moved out of Chicago because they said it's just too dangerous. They didn't feel they had the support of the city, i.e. the mayor. And remember when there were these flash mobs that were robbing stores and doing all that stuff? Well, Lori Lightfoot basically told police, not, hey, I sympathize with you, not, hey, we're going to try to support the police officers in the town. 
No, she went after the businesses and said, well, you better do better security. You're obviously not doing a very good job. She actually criticized the business owners. So I actually am shocked tonight because I just assumed in a very blue city like Chicago, as is New York and as is San Francisco and so many others. But tonight we are seeing the people of Chicago have had enough of Lori Lightfoot and her Lightfoot dancing. And now she is out and will not be able to be elected for another term. This is really an extraordinary moment because, you know, when she came in, there were people talking even at the White House saying, oh, maybe she's going to be a future uh, cabinet member like a Buttigieg. Remember Buttigieg, the, the mayor, Mr. Mayor of Pothole Pete from South Bend, Indiana? And look, he made it to transportation secretary, even though he's being investigated for flights and a whole bunch of other stuff. But there were so many things about her in terms of her potential future. And they were saying this was a rising star in the Democratic Party. And now the people, the good people of Chicago have said they have had enough. And I say bravo to the people of Chicago. By the way, you know how much crime has increased in the last year in Chicago? 52%. That is a stunning number. And when you see that kind of number and just the increase since she has been in office, they have said, forget about it. And they have clearly sent a very, very big signal. Uh, This guy has had support, of course, of the schools, too, as well. Paul Vallis, the guy who's heading the track, but also had the support of the Fraternal Order of Police and basically said to voters, do you want more of Lori Lightfoot? Is that really what you want? And in fact, Lori Lightfoot, just a few hours ago, this was her final pitch to Chicago voters. Take a listen. The choice is very clear. I think this has come down to a two-person race. Um, And what I remind people of is uh, the big contrast between me and Paul Vallis. Um, I think most people recognize we've been through uh, a a tremendous uh, time in the last four years that we're coming out on the the other side of it. Um, Things are looking optimistic and bright in our city. We want to continue the work that we, the collective we, all across the city have started. None of that work will continue. Economic development, uh, prosperity, businesses coming, uh, stitching back the social safety net, continuing to bend the curve on violent crime. All of that is at risk if we don't have continuity. And so I'm urging people to punch seven and vote for me. And people said, "Uh uh-uh, we'd rather punch out. We don't want to punch seven. Please don't give us choice number seven. We've already seen the destruction that choice number seven has done to our city in terms of quality of life. Some of the biggest businesses have been moving out of Chicago because they have said enough that they can't handle it. And when they criticize the policing in terms of not enough police, when they criticize the revolving door of criminals and how bad crime is, she vilified them. And it is a shock to me that any business has stayed in Chicago with the way that she has so poorly treated them and thrown businesses and good law-abiding citizens under the bus. And yet, she wants to have another term. And I am so happy that maybe the tide is turning across this country. I mean, we've seen the recall effort, remember, of Chesa Boudin. That was, of course, the DA in San Francisco. We've seen at least there was a recall attempt of Gascon in L.A. that didn't uh, go through because of some signature issues. Maybe that'll come up again. Of course, Philly is often on the hot seat. Now we know St. Louis is being potentially removed 
there's at least a push to get that to happen. Maybe people have just hit the breaking point and we're just so fed up. I, I mean, you look at the skyrocketing numbers there in Chicago and Gianno Caldwell, who lost his brother to crime, had this to say about Lori Lightfoot and her abilities. Take a listen. She's saying, listen, don't vote for the white guy, Paul Vallis. Don't vote for the, the Hispanic guy. I'm the only one that can lead us forward when that's been nothing but a lie. It's been an absolute lie. And people continue to pay the price for her incompetence. What we need now is new leadership in the city of Chicago. It seems like Paul Vallis may be the guy to do it. He was polling at 30 percent. He um, if he doesn't take it all away, he'll probably make a runoff. And this is a guy who's coming up with ideas like, oh, we have to support the police. We have to give them what they need and hold the criminals accountable. Yeah, let's at least stop with the race card that she always seems to play and look at the facts. And the facts are crime has been skyrocketing. And now even the citizens of Chicago have said enough. Um, Vallis, who is going to go ahead now in the runoff, is 69. Johnson's 46. They're going to face off in an April 4th runoff to decide who will become the 57th mayor of Chicago. The good news is it ain't going to be Lori Lightfoot. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Al in Yonkers on line three. Al, your thoughts about all this? Yeah, hello, Rita. You know, Rita, what happened to Lori Lightfoot uh, in the last week or so is uh, she was she had a challenge on the right from Paul Vallis, who came in first tonight, and who started to surge at the end was her biggest problem. He came in second tonight was the Cook County Supervisor Johnson. What Johnson did, he was also an African American. He was able to pull a lot of votes from her. And he was able to now, as it looks, uh, he'll be in the runoff uh, on April 4th. By the way, the Al, she was who- she was angry that that he was in the race because she said there should only be one black person in the race. And and you know what? You know what has really angered me? This whole she used that race card like they didn't deserve to be there, like people weren't smart enough to figure out the difference between two black people. I mean, that to me is a racist comment in and of itself, Al. That's right. And, you know, uh, the, the candidate who really came apart, he was a front runner earlier, but he had gotten money, uh, somehow a, a contribution or a poll was conducted on his behalf, was Congressman Garcia. And he was a front runner earlier in this race. Uh, he had gotten some uh, monies from Backman. Is that his name, Sam Backman? Yeah, I think that is the name. Exactly. I know exactly. By the way, Al, let me ask you, though, let's talk about this person who led the track, because you obviously have a great sense of of the politics there. And this guy who uh, is leading, and obviously it looks like none of them got 50 percent, which was hard to get in with so many people in a crowded field. Um, So it'll go to the runoff. And it looks like it's going to be this Paul Vallis and this Brandon Johnson who you brought up. This Paul Vallis guy was endorsed by the Fraternal Order of Police. What does that say that a, you know, a guy who is tough on crime is leading the pack in Chicago? Exactly. And, you know, he he had a good reputation in the past. He was the CEO of the schools. And what will occur right now coming on April 4th, what Johnson will try to do, he'll try to get a coalition of uh, liberal blacks, uh, progressive Hispanics, and liberal whites, uh, a rainbow coalition. 
and he'll try to give uh, Vallis a run for his money on uh, in the run in the uh, election on April fourth. Yeah, absolutely, Al. Great points, all of them. Thank you very much, and you're absolutely correct. Really great, incredible insight. Uh, let's go to Jim, line four. Jim, your thoughts about Lori Lightfoot, um, one of the most well-known mayors in the country, has just lost her reelection bid minutes ago. Yeah, good evening, Rita. You know, that controversial cop in Minnesota is in jail for murdering one person. How many people and black people have been killed because of the neglect of Mayor Lightweight? And I say, put Mayor Lightweight in jail in a cell next to de Blasio and the leaders of New York's legislature. Wow. You know what? I'm telling you, she is a disaster. And her policies were so, I don't know why anybody, I said this to you, Just a few moments ago, I don't know why any business would stay in Chicago under her rule. She vilified them. She was so unsympathetic. It was like, too bad, basically, you just have to take it, and we're going to basically scale back on police. She never supported the officers, too. I mean, it just she was one of the worst, like, far-left, destructive mayors, I think, in this country, Jim. How do you think she'll be remembered? I think she's just out for herself, and she's just using the, the black thing to say, vote for me because I'm black. She's not saying, vote for me because I'm going to do something and improve life for people and black people in Chicago. I'm going to do something for one black person, me. Right. And you know what also epitomized it? And you're absolutely correct, Jim. Thanks for the call. Because I think about, too, during all the difficult times that were happening in Chicago, and even after there were some serious shootings and even during COVID, she'd put these videos up of her dancing. And to me, I found it very offensive because when people are going through difficult times, they want to see their leader act like leaders and also sympathize with them. And she instead was doing her little fun little dance moves as if she thought it was very funny. She was a a decent dancer, but, you know, I don't want to see my mayor dancing. I want to see my mayor uh, protecting the city, you know. And if I was somebody of Chicago, I would say, get off your butt, stop dancing, and start getting to work. It was almost like she was like dancing and in her own little world, um, as you just so sort of eloquently said, while so many people in Chicago were just literally uh, dying because the statistics, I mean, are are just unconscionable. I mean, the amount of homicides in Chicago, and she did nothing. She did nothing. She she only created more division and crime skyrocketed. And I'm glad to see she is booted out. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. Big news tonight. Lori Lightfoot, again, does not win re-election. This is a biggie in Chicago. She was like a rising star. People were like, oh, Maybe she should have gotten picked for vice president. Remember, there was all that talk about her. And tonight, she is not even good enough for the people of Chicago. They are disappointed with her. One of the bluest cities in the country. That is a huge message on crime. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, I'm hot-blooded, but I'm elated tonight that Lori Lightfoot has not made it to re-election. This is one of the greatest things I've ever heard from the Windy City ever. And by the way, the two people that are left in the pack, it's two Democrats that are left in the pack. Uh, it is Paul Vallis, and it's also another guy named Brandon Johnson. Again, the mayoral race in Chicago, one of the worst crime-ridden cities in the country. Uh, well, 
now Lori Lightfoot hasn't made it to the runoff even. What a humiliating thing. It's her first term. She had basically started with a 20% approval rating, never got any higher. Her term was marred by, I can't think of, I mean, there were so many things. Uh, there were strikes, uh, the pandemic, skyrocketing crime, insults to police that she was giving and her staff. I mean, racist comments left and right. Uh, remember, she would only talk to black reporters at one point. She wouldn't talk to a white reporter. I mean, uh, this is this woman was like unbelievable in creating so much division. And now the two choices left. This is really interesting. I'm not fully with my faith back in Chicago yet because I've just been seeing that Paul Vallis, who I know has the support of the Fraternal Order of Police, he also had a son in Afghanistan. His job, he said, will be to make Chicago safe. Wow, what a big project that is. He wants to make Chicago, quote, the safest city in America. And the guy who it looks like came in number two in the runoff, so the two of them will now go head-to-head in April, is this guy named Brandon Johnson. And guess what he wants to do? He wants to cut the police department. He won't fill a lot of the vacancies that are happening there. There are 1,700 police vacancies in the Chicago Police Department right now. That's amazing. He also says that he may want to cut $150 million from the police budget by reducing the number of supervisors and reducing some of the bosses-to-rank-and-file officers ratio. I mean, this guy just sounds like he's like uh, Lori Lightfoot Part 2, maybe even worse than Lori Lightfoot. So he is still in the runoff against this Paul Vallis guy. So let's pray that Paul Vallis wins in this mayoral runoff Pray for the people of Chicago. Let's go to Eddie in Babylon on line four, Ed. Your thoughts? Oh, Rita. So my Polish-Danish cousin, uh, and I didn't hear you giggle. Yes, I'm laughing. (laughs) By the way, I am laughing. And you know what? Not only am I laughing, I have an enormous smile on my face, Ed, every time you call. I love it. So thank you. you. You're such a beautiful lady. You are. Um, me, Me being in radiology... There was always the annual meeting in Chicago. It's called the RSNA. It was the, it was the biggest meeting in America, the Radiological Society of North America, and they don't have it anymore, Rita, because it's so dangerous there. I used to get out in the morning and run, and it is the Windy City because I'd run. It would push me back about a half a foot, and I, I just I feel so bad for it. Um, I ate dinner at Weber Restaurant which turned out to be the restaurant that created the Weber Grill. I don't even know if it's open anymore. And I have to give you a compliment about you being on Cats at Night. Uh, John Katsotides and Rita Cosby, I texted John something about what I felt about things I went through. If there's no truth, there's no justice. And without justice, there's no happiness. And John got on the radio and he said, my friend friend Ed Foreman said this to me and he repeated it what a nice man i heard it today i heard it today and and by the way ed meeting you and ed when you put that when he said that i had another big smile on my face because i thought it was so beautiful and so eloquent and i was so happy when i heard him give the shout out uh to great patriotic polish danish ed thank you very much my friend Ed, we love you. We're going to continue calls, everybody, after the break. Thank you, Ed. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, where we honor our great law enforcement and their families, a really frightening scare happening in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. And thanks to police officers, a young boy is alive. This is so scary. A boy was rushed to the hospital on Saturday after he was found hanging from his neck at an indoor amusement park. Police say the eight-year-old boy became entangled in a rope ladder. Two police officers and several people jumped into action to rescue him from inside the Thrills High Flying Adventure Park in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Uh, the police said it happened just around 1.40 in the afternoon when an eight-year-old boy was on the rope ladder and he somehow became stuck. Police say the boy was unresponsive at first, and the owner of the park says staff members saw the boy. They cut the rope to get him down. Thankfully, two off-duty officers were inside the park at the time, where they immediately performed CPR on the boy, and the 8-year-old quickly regained consciousness. The child was then rushed to the hospital. And in a statement that was released from the park, they said, within 10 seconds, our safety monitors formed a response team with off-duty officers and a nurse who was also on site. Police say that as of Saturday evening, the child appeared to be doing okay. And they said that they are incredibly, incredibly thankful that those two officers were there in the area and saved that young boy's life. What a scary situation. And we are talking about crime across this country. Uh, There was a new report that, by the way, that half of the murders that take place in this country remain unsolved. And that's because of police shortages. It is because of the lack of support for officers, the lack of people giving information. There's so many different reasons that's happening. And that's why it's so important to have law enforcement there beefed up and at the ready, as we just heard in that story in our Back the Blue. And especially when crime is skyrocketing. We're talking about Lori Lightfoot because the word just came down tonight that she has lost the election in Chicago. She hasn't even made it to the runoff. And that is a humiliating defeat for a woman who earlier today was kind of dancing around and thought she was doing okay. She was smearing some of her other fellow competitors. There were about nine people in the race. And she was playing the race card the whole time like she typically does. And very little attention to crime. And I want to read some of these numbers on crime stats because they are stunning in the city of Chicago. I've been to Chicago a number of times. I was a guest host on a radio show in Chicago. It was really beautiful right there on Michigan Avenue. And I remember it was like as soon as the, you know, as soon as it got dark, it was like, hurry up and run home because it was scary city and it has gotten so much worse even since when I was there. And let me read you the numbers since she took office. In 2019, 60% increase in crime. 2020, 64% increase in crime. 2021, 102% increase in crime in Chicago. And then last year, 52% increase in crime. And she has the audacity to say, hey, city of uh, Chicago, do you want more of it? Don't you love what I'm doing? Are you kidding me? Take a listen. This is her pitch to voters before she thankfully lost tonight. We've got to keep um, fighting hard. 
against the um, dangerous people in our city and um, make sure that we take illegal guns off the street. We've got to make sure that we continue to bring economic development uh, to areas of the neighborhood. A lot of people bring up COVID and are thanking me and the team for what we did to keep people safe uh, during COVID. That's a, a, a consistent theme that I'm hearing and I've been hearing now uh, for the weeks that I've been out on the campaign trail. Yeah. Is there anybody out there who actually thinks she kept the city of Chicago safe? Uh, I don't know of one single person, and I know a lot of people in Chicago. one 800 Is this a sign that the tide is turning, guys, that even Democrats in very blue cities are saying they are fed up? Let's go to Keith in Ohio. Keith, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts? Hi, how you doing, Rita? Oh, by the way, you can refer me refer to me as the same way. Curtis calls me the Natty Boy because I was born and raised in Cincinnati. All right. By the way, I love Cincinnati, so that's all right. So go ahead, Keith. Your thoughts? This is a crazy thing about Chicago. Now, I have a big tie to Chicago because my uncle years ago used to own three and ran three businesses in Gary and Portage, Indiana. And he had a uh, condominium on Lakeshore Drive. So I would go up there a lot to visit me and the rest of my family and stuff like that and go to Cubs games, go to Army-Navy games, sit there at Soldier Field, whatever. (laughs) The nutty thing about it was is years and years ago when the outfit ran Chicago, it was a much safer place than it is now. Now, when you say the outfit, are you referring to the uh, mob? Is that who you're referring yeah, to? the Chicago outfit. All right, that's what I... Why, do you know them? Can't, you sort of sound like you're on a familiar basis with them, Keith. Well, I know them from living in Cincinnati and studying stuff in uh, City of Cincinnati history. You used to have a big tie with them. All right, so, so, so under their rule... Things were good, and now how do you equate the situation now? Not that now that not that we want the mob running the the place, but yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is a crazy thing about it. Now, the street gangs, drug gangs, uh, drug cartels, and everything are running wild there, and <laughs> the town's crazy. Now, let me explain this to people. Might be younger than they got a clue about Chicago. Okay. Years ago, when they were running things, if you robbed something on Michigan Avenue, the Millionaire Mile area, you didn't have to worry about the cops. Because (laughs) if the cops got to you, you just went to jail or prison. But if the outfit was mad because of the fact you interfered in what they referred to as business, in other words, the tourist area coming out there, if they caught you first, you'd wind up in the middle of Lake Michigan in a pair of cement shoes. Right, or uh, what, Jimmy Hoffa, right? We're yeah. still trying to figure out where he is. Now, yeah. let, let, yeah. me, yeah. Keith, I mean, let me ask you, though, do you think, by the way, I'm curious, Keith, do you think the mob is still there in Chicago now? Uh, maybe, but they're not like they were. Now they're into business stuff. Instead of running things like they used to, they run things legally now, for instance, in the state of Nevada. All right. Yeah, Keith, Keith I, you're right. You're right, because they are still there for sure. Keith, you're really interesting. You got to call back again. That was really fascinating. Thanks so much. Let's go to Bob. Uh, Bob in New Jersey. Uh, your thoughts about Lori Lightfoot uh, not going to be dancing anymore for us. Go ahead. Uh, oh, no, Rita. Thanks for taking my call. And uh, just as, as like a, a little uh, 
sense of the feeling there in, in Chicago. I just happened to be monitoring Chicago police, one of their networks, and about an hour and a half ago, the call went out. I, w- I was shocked. Bye-bye, glory. And um, so that shows the sentiment of the, the good folks of the uh, Chicago Police Department. Oh, that is interesting. So they put it out on the police scanner, the police radio, uh, you know, happy with the news, obviously, understandably, at the way she's treated them. That's Boy, you know, that's really interesting, Bob, because that just says it all, that they clearly felt she did not have their back. She didn't care about them. Uh, she didn't care about Chicago because if she cared about the people of Chicago, she'd want to help the support the police. Um, and she just seemed she just seemed to all she wanted to do was kind of like do these little videos of her dancing. And I found it I found it unbelievably insulting. Um, and I say bravo to the Chicago police. That that to me says it all. What was your reaction when you heard them say that uh, Lori Lightfoot lost it over the radio, the police radio there in Chicago? Well, I was actually shocked that, that, that so, you know, because they obviously track who did that. But, um, but you know, knowing, you know, keeping up with the, the situation, knowing that that was like, you know, happening today, that uh, it, it was good. It was a good feeling, actually, to say, hey, the police haven't given up. Yeah, but you know Unlike what? I, now in New we, York City, it seems that uh, they kind of given up on like who really could have helped them out, and that would have been Curtis Sliwa, if you ask me. Well, I'm now, from Jersey, but uh, by the way, Bob, uh, let me ask you too. Um, you know about uh, the guys that are still left here. There's a Vallis guy um, yes. who is who's pro police, big time, which is great. Um, he wrote yes. on Tough on Crime, and then there's the other. There's this other person. Um, who apparently I think is even the left of the left of Lori Lightfoot. So it's not over that yet. Shocking. I know that which is shocking to me. But then again, today's world, I, I, I don't know. You, sometimes you just can't talk to these people. But it, it's that shocked me, actually. Yeah, me too. But I do believe me too. That, uh, me because- too. Me too. That means that that means that it's not over yet for Chicago. That's what it means. Let's go to Larry on line six. Thanks, Bob, so much. Larry, your thoughts. Uh, good evening, Rita, and I wish you the best of luck with the, your new spot with John Casamitidis. Oh, thank you so much. And everybody, I'm doing Cats and Cosby with him, 5 o'clock on WABC Radio, the number one show. It's doing awesome. And, of course, then I get to be with you guys here at the top-rated show as well. So I, so we, we get it all. I get, I get the best of the best, and I get you guys at night, which to me makes me so happy, Larry. Thank you. All right. With, with respect to... Uh, Chicago and Lori Lightfoot. Uh, today could be the day of resurrection for the entire Chicago community. Uh, why? So many people uh, are, are happy right now uh, because we have to respect the uh, the parents, the mothers, the fathers, the husbands, the wives, the childrens of those who've been killed in vicious, ruthless homicides. And I just wish this guy Vallis. The best of luck, and I hope he wins. Hopefully, what he's got to do is re-engineer the police department, take a look at it, uh, take an assessment, and do to get rid of what's wrong and put in what's right and do what's best for the people of the city. Because let's face it, Laurie, the only way a city will survive is if you're crime-free, uh, the economy will go, people will be on the streets, they'll be in their parks, they'll be in their uh, entertainment venues, and I only hope for the best 
because that's what America is about. Yeah, and and by the way, by the way, Lori Lori Lightfoot has been she just destroyed the place. I mean, Larry, I've never seen a mayor throw the police under the bus, throw business under the bus. It's like her whole job was to keep the city safe. That's priority number one. Uh, keep businesses there so money is flowing in, um, so people have jobs. I mean, there's so many things, and it's like it's like okay, what else can I destroy? I mean, sometimes you know she she gives uh, Biden uh, a competition for incompetence, you know, and I didn't think he'd have competition, but she does it, and that is unbelievable. Larry, thank you very much. And speaking as you were talking about security and crime. I want to play you guys. This was unbelievable today. This was a hearing on Capitol Hill. And the woman's name is Rebecca Keisling. She had two sons who died from fentanyl poisoning. And she firmly believes it is a response to what's happening at that open border, that open southern border. It was one of the most gripping, dramatic testimonies I have ever heard Take a listen to a grieving mother who is just outraged and what she said to Congress. This is a war. Act like it. Do something. This is a war. Act like it. Do something. Get off your butts. And then she further said that this border is killing American kids because of cartels and the open border policy. Take a listen. Numbers are going up, not down. And you talk about children being taken away from their parents. My children were taken away from me. A hundred thousand Americans every year are having their children. Two hundred thousand, because it's both parents, right? Are having their children taken away from them. This should not be politicized. It's not about race. Fentanyl doesn't care about race. You say, you talk about welcoming those crossing our border, seeking protection. You're welcoming drug dealers across our border. You're giving them protection. You're not protecting our children. Wow. That is just, it is so hard to hear that, guys. And you just hear the heartache and the pain. She lost two of her boys to fentanyl poisoning. And one of them died just a day after his graduation. And I think hearing from her is one of the most gripping, emotional things uh, that I've ever heard. I'm glad that she was sitting there in Congress, and I'm glad that she was sitting there speaking and looking at Democratic members who won't even go to the border. I mean, that is the most outrageous thing. These hearings that are taking place, the Republicans are doing these hearings, and a number of them are taking place at the border. Well, guess what? They won't even show up. The Democrats don't even care to show up at the border. It's like, no, we don't really need to. No big deal. But I am so glad that that mother was there today and spoke out and spoke from her heart. Do you think that the Democrats will finally turn the tide and do something on fentanyl? You heard the numbers. You see the faces and you hear it in her voice. It is heartbreaking and it is gut wrenching. And who do you blame for this? And why are the Democrats just turning such a blind eye to the fact that the border is wide open and this fentanyl is rushing in? Why is President Biden not picking up the phone to Xi Jinping and saying, why is it coming across our border? It's coming from China. Why is he such a wimp on that and also a wimp on COVID, which we're going to talk about as well? Your thoughts on who is to blame and why our president 
isn't picking up the phone and saying, hey, listen, Mexico, here's what's going to happen. Hey, listen, China, here's what's going to happen. How do we turn this around so there's not more mothers who are losing kids like that incredible mom there? one 800 Eight four eight nine two two two, and you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show. How can Democrats turn a blind eye to what's happening at our border and not even show up for hearings on the border today on Capitol Hill? Though this was. One of the most unforgettable and emotional testimonies. Take a listen again. This is a mom who lost her two sons to fentanyl. And here's a little bit more of what she had to say in her gripping and very emotional testimony. And I don't use the term drug overdose because this was not an overdose. This was murder. My children got fake Percocets that were fentanyl. There was no Percocet in it at all. And it's a homicide. Not overdose. Bravo for her for saying that. And here she is with a little bit more of why she says people need to wake up. It is affecting so many families across this country. Take a listen. Fentanyl deaths rose 22 percent from 2020 to 2021. I mean, it's unbelievable. You would think that one death from fentanyl coming across our southern border would be enough to sound the alarm. And my kid's story was high profile because three young people died. There was another child from our hometown who died the same day. It wasn't in the news. You don't hear about it because it was just one death. Wow. It is heartbreaking. And it is obviously deeply personal to this mother and so many families across this country. Let's go to Norman, line three. Norm, your thoughts about all this. Boy, it's, it's hard to hear this mother. It's it's just my heart breaks for her. Yeah. Hi, Rita. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's anguishing to hear this. It's terrible. Uh, will, the, will they do anything about it? No, they're not going to do a thing about it um, because uh, our president, who is uh, Barack Obama and his regime, uh, who's behind who's behind the potato sitting in the White House. Uh, our president said he wanted to fundamentally change America. And the only way to fundamentally change America is this open border. So they want to change the electorate, change America. And the only way to do that is to have an open border. So if a bunch of citizens were to die, well, that's... Uh, you know, they've 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 entered that into their equation. They don't have a problem with it. Uh, they don't they won't pay attention to it um, there. You know, there has to be there has to be a turning point. Uh, I don't think we've reached it. Uh, you don't and, think you uh, don't think we've reached it. That's really sad. No. Boy, Norm. So no. how far how much lower can we go? Oh, a lot lower, unfortunately. And uh Though that those that have don't care, and uh, they uh, going to keep pushing it. You're not going to hear this. I, I doubt you're hearing uh, MSNBC and CNN screaming about this. I doubt it. Uh, they might cover it, but it's not particularly important to them. And uh, you know, it's much easier to focus on things like uh, uh, 
ramping up wars in Ukraine and uh, racial uh, equity and uh, climate justice and all the other things that they'll put forward. And uh, no, you, by they, the by the way, winning. Norm, they've been winning. You bring up a great point, stuff. Norm, about the like yeah. the 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 screwy priorities. I mean, one kind of like. Was it Mayor Pete who was worried about uh, if there were too many white people involved in the construction of bridges? Meanwhile, you got, uh, you know, uh, Ohio and the big plume of smoke and all the people that have contaminated water and soil and everything else. And, you know, he finally gets off his butt and goes there the day after uh, Trump. But their priorities are so out of whack. And then in the military, you hear Defense Secretary Austin talking about, you know, uh, equity in the military. I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking I want our military to be the best, strongest, toughest ever so somebody doesn't plan on doing anything to us. I mean, their priorities are so out of whack. And then you have an open border that is like a leaky sieve. And these people have lost their life. There are real faces, real names. And this woman, uh, I think just it is searing to my heart to hear what she went through. It is unbelievable that she had to experience this and and I think I think her testimony is so powerful, but I just hope uh, that Democrats heard it because they just the fact that they won't even go down to the border. They basically never really show up for the hearings um, and they just try to ignore the problem is just it, it to me. It is outrageous. Everybody, when we come back, I'm going to continue with your calls on this. It is searing and it is gut wrenching to hear her testimony. But I hope every Democrat hears it. 24-7 in their head because this president has been derelict in his duty also the Homeland Security Secretary we're going to talk about all of this after the break this is the Rita Cosby show on the Red Apple Podcast Network this is the Rita Cosby show on the Red Apple Podcast Network The Rita Cosby Show later on in this hour, uh, blockbuster comments coming from none other than the director of the FBI. And this is about the origins of COVID. Remember, it came out yesterday that the Energy Department concluded that it was likely that COVID-19 stemmed potentially from a lab leak in Wuhan, where Dr. Fauci knew some folks there. So then, of course, the White House has been poo-pooing it. They've been downplaying it. And the Energy Department basically corroborated, in much part, what the FBI had said. The FBI had sort of put out through statements that they believed it also stemmed from that Wuhan lab. Uh, I think a two-year-old would have been able to figure it out. But for some reason, the White House doesn't want to play that up. They keep saying, oh, no, 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 it's not conclusive and trying to poo-poo it. Well, wow, this was a biggie tonight because FBI Director Christopher Ray, for the first time, publicly came out and said that he believes it was tied to a lab leak in Wuhan, that it was extremely likely, quote, he used the word incident at the lab. In other words, a big old leak or something like that, an incident at the lab. And he also further took some swipes at China. Listen to what he had to say just a little bit ago. I should add 
that, uh, that our work related to this continues. And there are not a whole lot of details I can share that aren't, aren't classified. I will just make the observation that the Chinese government seems to me has been doing its best to try to thwart and obfuscate uh, the work here, the work that we're doing, the work that our U.S. government and, and close foreign partners are doing. Um, and that's unfortunate for everybody. That is really explosive because Christopher Ray doesn't do a lot of interviews and he clearly is doing a 180 compared to what the White House is doing. The White House is like, oh, no, no, no. They're trying to just, you know, just diminish it as much as possible. Anything they can do to smear on Trump as opposed to smear China. For some reason, this White House is walking on eggshells with China. And bravo to Christopher Ray for coming on camera saying, no, I actually think China has been thwarting the investigation. They haven't been helping us. And I also think determining from our intelligence, and they've looked at a lot of it, that it's tied to the Wuhan lab. In other words, China's responsible basically for COVID-19. And that's a far cry from this tepid Mamsy Pamsy White House. And speaking of China, we were talking about the border. And I want to play a little bit more of this gripping testimony from Rebecca Kiesling. She lost two of her sons uh, to fentanyl. And she basically said this is outrageous that this has happened in this country, that more than 100,000 people have died from fentanyl overdoses, including her two beloved sons. And she said, you know what, America and this administration needs to look at it like a huge national security threat. Just imagine China, which is bringing in basically manufacturing the fentanyl that's coming across our border. That's an undisputed fact. They are so responsible for it. And our president doesn't do anything. And then she brought up, hey, imagine if there were troops basically sitting at our front door. I don't know about this president. He might not do anything, but most presidents would. And that's how she made the analogy of that we have to take this fentanyl crisis seriously. Take a listen. If we had Chinese troops lining up along our southern border with weapons aimed at our people, with weapons of mass destruction aimed at our cities, you damn well know you would do something about it. We have a weather balloon from China going across our country. Nobody died. And everybody's freaking out about it. But 100,000 die every year and nothing's being done. Not enough is being done. Numbers are going up, not down. She makes a great analogy. You know, we start freaking out over the weather balloons that are flying over the country. Remember, three of them were shot down and they probably belong to Bob's big balloon company. That's a whole other story. One of them was a Chinese spy balloon. But yeah, what are we doing to protect our children and to protect our southern border. It is unbelievable just how many numbers and how many cases we are seeing. And yet this president, I've only heard him say the word fentanyl once. I heard him say it one time, and it was when he was like a national opioid uh, overdose day. And he basically mentioned it for like two seconds and then moved on. And that was it. Uh, And then, oh, actually, he did at State of the Union for two seconds. And then, remember, all the Republicans were like, you caused this, you caused this. But, I mean, what is he doing? He talked about it, what, now about a a total of 30 seconds in the last two years? That is outrageous. And he could fix it immediately. He could close that border immediately. And yet he has not done so. Listen to what Marjorie Taylor Greene has to say about the Biden administration. 
Fentanyl does not discriminate on your skin color, your gender, your politics. Fentanyl kills everyone. It kills police officers, first responders, and tragically, fentanyl is now the number one cause of death of young Americans ages 18 to 45. And this is unforgivable. The Biden administration is responsible for this, and they have blood on their hands because they refuse to secure our border. And what is more important than protecting the homeland? I mean, they go crazy over the balloons again, as the mother just aptly said before. And yet it's like wide open city. We've got drug dealers. We've got those who are producing fentanyl. We have human traffickers. Uh, By the way, there was a bust the other day. This is just stunning about the toxicity of fentanyl. And to me, it is this just encapsulates it. There was a bust the other day in one vehicle of fentanyl, and it was near San Diego. 232 pounds worth of fentanyl. It had a street value of over $3 million. It was enough to kill 50 million people. Think about that. 50 million people in just one truck that, thank goodness, they stopped it at the border. This was just a few days ago near San Diego. 232 pounds, enough to kill 50 million people. That's like the West Coast. I mean, just think about how toxic in one single vehicle and the picture of it. You see it laid out, but we had the DEA agent on the show, and it's basically the size of like a little salt granule is enough to kill you. And in the case of this mother, her kids were ordering it online. One of them, in other cases, there was another person who testified how they got addicted to opioids after an accident, and then they got a bad one. I mean, this is scary stuff, and our president is not doing squat. And nor is Mayorkas. And that's why I I actually think Mayorkas should be impeached tomorrow. It is so outrageous. Here's a little bit more of Marjorie Taylor Greene. The Biden administration is failing this country by not protecting our border and securing our border and stopping Chinese fentanyl from being brought into our country illegally by the cartels. And people are dying every single day because of it. Fentanyl deaths have doubled, doubled. Between two years, from April 2019 to April 2021, those are the statistics we have, going fentanyl deaths doubled from 32,754 to 64,178. This is a, this is a complete failure. And what are your thoughts about this? It is a complete failure. And the Democrats don't even care to go to hearings when they take place at the border. I mean, what kind of disrespect is that? That to me is abominable. That's like, and I think it's a great analogy of hers. You know, you've got terrorists and all these people waiting at the border and the Democrats can't even find the time to go there. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John, line seven. John, your thoughts about all this. That mother's testimony is, is just, it is heartbreaking. Oh, God, that's like shattering. Like, you know, it it puts it puts something into you, into your heart. If you you listen to this and you can't uh, have some feeling, that, then we got zombied out people. And this is this is the thing that won't be shown on ABC, NBC, CBS, and NBC and CNN. They're not going to show that. If they if they show that, you know how many people's feelings would change. 
Because I can tell you back in 2008, there was a Jamil Andre Short that got killed by two illegals. He was a young young high school star. That could have changed a lot of all the elections way back when, when you had illegals coming across the shop. The young kid, he was going to go to Rutgers to become a football player. That's right. Never I remember it, that. Was, That's right. Right. But you know what? The, the mainstream media never showed anything. They don't show anything about our citizens getting killed, hurt, or maimed. It's nothing in their agenda. And, and this mainstream media, you know what? We, we, need, we need to pay. You know what? I mean, like, they, they had producers to make the January 6th. I want to put say, let's get a funding page, get her on a commercial. I can pay. You know, we can pay for that. If we can get that on a commercial, of course, uh, that guy made the thing for January 6th for the Democrats. I think the Republicans should be able to pay that one commercial on prime time will blow up everybody's face. I, I agree. That That is gripping. Yeah. I agree, John. And and you're right, because you know what? You know, uh, who better than, sadly, a grieving mother who went through this firsthand, knows the loss firsthand, and reminds everybody it's not 100,000 numbers, it's 100,000 lives. And then even that, Andre Shaw's mother, back in 2008, was on a second tour in Iraq. How do you have an army mother... Try to fight an enemy while her son got killed by illegals in America. And at that time, we had Obama and Biden as the two guys running the country. Biden has no no respect. You know what? When he says he's a white boy and he's not stupid, he's not stupid. He's an idiot. He's following everybody on the on, a, on the uh, communist program. The communists have ruined this guy. Well, it and it's and it is costing so many lives. And, you know, to me and to me, you know, it's it's I don't care if somebody is, say, a Republican or a Democrat, whatever it is, if they care about the homeland and they care about uh, protecting the country and treat people with respect, then that's great. But I see such an utter disrespect for this country and a disregard and this sort of America last policy that you would keep our border so wide open. They're now worried also about the southern border because a lot of them are coming through there too. Um, and already, the numbers, already this year, by the way, the fiscal year, which started in October, there's already been a million that have crossed since October under Joe Biden. And they're estimating it could go as high as 13 million at the end of his first term. I mean, how much more can you take? It, it, is, it is insane. Uh, insane. Let's go to Ernest, line two. Ernest, your thoughts. Hello, I strongly believe that this is all intentional. They, first of all, I, I have to agree with, the, with that one previous caller with Obama saying he wants to transform America. Well, my thoughts dovetail on that. I strongly believe that the Biden administration is, is getting cash hand over fist by the cartel to look the other way because there's only one thing that politicians will bend backwards for and that's money and they're getting paid to, to get allow the drugs come in and obama is, is is getting third world people in to turn this country into a third world um, um uh country and and in the meantime they're killing the american citizens with the drugs it's a win-win to them they're going to let the american citizen die they bring in third world people who don't know our laws don't know our constitution who will be a a a, a, a demographic of people that, that are will always be needing the government and you have a, you'll have a whole underclass of citizens at your beck and call and meanwhile the politicians are getting rich and and, and they're destroying our country and that's why it's all intentional every bit of it's intentional and, and the only way to stop it is close the borders seize the banks seize
seize the assets and declare war and say, this is it. No more banking, no more commerce. End the story. Close the borders from Mexico and China. Done with it. Except, you know, the sad thing is, in earnest, I feel so angry like you do, too. I, I, I am so outraged. The problem is we have a president who won't even seem to criticize China and he doesn't even criticize Mexico. And when he was down there at the Mexico summit, remember, with the leader there, I couldn't believe it. I was like embarrassed. There was, uh, you know, Obrador standing next to him. And he's like, I want to thank you, President Biden, because you're the first president who's basically kept the border wide open and hasn't built any wall, hasn't done any barrier. And Biden's like, thank you. I mean, in other words, you're the first person who's kept America totally unsafe. Thank you so much. You know, I mean, it, it was almost like a, a like a, it made me so sad to see that he was applauding him because, of course, Mexico loves it. Get rid of everybody that they want to get rid of and move them into a, our country. Have America pay all the bills and everything else. Um, and then you've got on the flip side, you've got Biden so stupid that he's nodding his head like a guppy saying, oh, yeah, it's a good thing. I mean, that's like an insult. If somebody said it to Trump, he'd tell him to get the heck out of there. And I would be like, what are you on drugs? You know, I mean, it was crazy. So crazy. Ernest, thank you. It's one 800 848 And I'll continue your calls after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And nothing hits home more than a grieving mother who lost two kids to fentanyl. Uh, The testimony again today was riveting. And if every Democrat in this country isn't moved by this, I don't know what they will be moved by. Take a listen. This is more of Rebecca Kiesling and her testimony. Numbers are going up, not down. And you talk about children being taken away from their parents. My children were taken away from me. A hundred thousand Americans every year are having their children. Two hundred thousand, because it's both parents, right? Are having their children taken away from them. This should not be politicized. It's not about race. Fentanyl doesn't care about race. You see... You talk about welcoming those crossing our border, seeking protection. You're welcoming drug dealers across our border. You're giving them protection. You're not protecting our children. Wow. How emotional and gut-wrenching. Let's go to Larry, line six. Uh, Larry, your thoughts about all this and the fact that the Biden administration has kept it wide open and the Democrats won't even go to the hearings. That's outrageous. Okay, listen, Rita, the reason the Democrats won't go to the hearings is because this is this is officially condoned murder. Okay, this woman lost two sons. But when you when you uh, multiply that exponentially to the amount that was lost to fentanyl, this is a crime against humanity. I don't care. I'm not going to mince my words. Okay, this is murder by depraved indifference, because the, the evidence that fentanyl is being brought across the border, what that does is it's, it's evidence that there's no asylum, uh, that, that the asylum claims are false and the laws are being deliberately violated by this administration. And I don't want to tell you, this is, this is murder by Biden. He could be hung for this. I'm telling you right now, this is, this is, this is murder by the administrations, okay, and crime against humanity. And in, in the next administration, 
First of all, Ernest was right on. He was talking about Obama. Obama has been raping this country for years. How did he get so rich? And the reason Biden is doing his bidding is because who do you think has all the evidence on Biden? It was because Obama was on top of Biden. Biden doesn't have evidence on Obama, but Obama has evidence on Biden. But I know somebody who claims he has evidence that Obama took billions of dollars in kickbacks and put them in, over, in overseas accounts. Well, but, and, and, and boy, it would be interesting. I mean, who knows if that's, we don't know if that's true or not, Larry, but um, but certainly the Biden finances will be looked into. By the way, Larry, I met you. Didn't I meet you at the book signing today? Yes, it was It was a wonderful, um, you know, I, was, I felt I, it was such a wonderful feeling to be amongst righteous individuals from WABC, who all are trying to make this world a better place. And we have to sit and fight these these animals that won't even show up the hearings, okay? I mean, to, to hear this woman's voice, uh, I mean, the clarion call, not just in America, but across the world. I, I mean, agree. Uh, I agree, Larry. It is gut-wrenching. It is gut-wrenching. And, Larry, I'm so glad I got a chance to meet you and everybody. It was at uh, the book party for John Katsimatidis, the launch of his book, How Far Do You Want to Go? Lessons from a Common Sense Billionaire. And, uh, Larry, it was so great to see you and so many of the other WABC fans. I'm so glad you came over and said hello. You're terrific, Larry. And I love your calls all the time. Thanks so much. Let's go to Kathy, line four. Kathy, your thoughts. Hi. Hi. These are communists that have a hold of the Democratic Party. And they've got the Democrats that all you have to do is try to impeach anybody, Mayorkas, um, Biden, and they're going to just vote no, and it's going to continue. We have to stop this. Well, and you bring Thank up a great you. you bring up a great point because you know the Democrats clearly will vote against it. Um, although there are some Democrats that are really disappointed with uh, Biden and Mayorkas when it comes to border. Thank goodness. But you're right; uh, they will try to do whatever they can. It will just be symbolic in many cases. Let's go to Pete in New Hampshire, Line Eight. Pete, your thoughts. Yeah, hi, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. Love you as well and your show as well. Thank you. Uh, you know, I'm sitting up here in northern New Hampshire, and it's known to beat the band. Anyway, uh, hell's coming to breakfast, Rita. If you remember the movie Josie Wales with Clint Eastwood, and and when he said, uh, anyways, hell's coming to breakfast, the Indian guy. What, do, hey, do me a favor, Pete. I'll have you translated for everybody. Stay with us. We're going to go to a break. Um, And we have our beautiful Support Our Heroes. We'll continue with your calls after the break on this. Pete, stay with us and everybody else. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes, where we honor our great military and their families, a beautiful story coming from Lewistown, Montana, where two veterans of World War II were recently honored for their service with unique one-of-a-kind quilts. The red, white, and blue pieces were created by a local quilter by the name of Sherry Purcell. And she says she's been doing this for a while. She's made over 15 of these for veterans. Now, in December... She accompanied several members of the American Legion to present one to Marine Corps veteran Charles W. Buck to wish him a 99th birthday. 
and they presented him with his quilt of valor. Buck performed duties as an infantry and reconnaissance team member in the South Pacific during World War II. And she said on this occasion, though, this week, World War II Navy veteran Fred Schell was presented his quilt of valor to celebrate his 97th birthday. As a seaman second class, Shell served as a combat team member in the Central and South Pacific. And he said, boy, it is amazing to be honored this way. What a beautiful gift. By the way, this local quilter said that she makes each quilt and it takes her between 15 to 20 hours of work. She said she decides on the fabric and patterns and she cuts the pieces, sews them quilts them and binds them. And she says she tries to pick a pattern that she says makes sense for each veteran. How beautiful is that? Uh, She said she lived on military bases as a civilian for 30 years and then taught at a military school. She said, quote, the military are so critically important for our country and those who served need to be recognized. How beautiful that this woman is doing that to honor so many of our great veterans. Well, later on in just a few minutes, we're going to be talking about this bombshell that the FBI director has come out and said that he believes it's likely that a leak from the Wuhan lab caused COVID-19. In other words, 6.8 million deaths around the world, 1 million in the United States. And it is a bombshell because it's coming directly from the mouth of the FBI director. Uh, we're also talking about fentanyl and the destruction that fentanyl has caused at our border and the fact that uh, Democrats don't even really care if they even show up for these hearings. And I was just playing for you this unbelievably gripping testimony from this mother who is just heartbroken. She lost two sons to fentanyl. And the Democrats could barely even show up. I mean, to me, it is such an insult. You got to care about our borders. You got to care about our country and the fact that they just keep it wide open. I hope that they hear this woman's testimony. I hope somebody plays it for them and they should play it 24 seven in each of their offices and see if they finally get a wake up call as to what an open border does to our country. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Pete back again there in New Hampshire. Pete, sorry, we had a hard break, uh, but I want to have you pick it up. Uh, You had a good slang. You had a good saying, so pick it up there. Yeah, hell's coming to breakfast, Rita. Thank you again for picking back up my call. I appreciate that more than you'll ever know. And I agree, number one, with all your listeners so far, Rita. The show's been really provocative. I love listening to the callers and their responses, as you do, I'm sure, as well, Rita. I sure do. I have the best callers in the world. I really do. They're, they are all so smart. I learn from all of you, and I love hearing from everybody, because that's what America's all about. Rita, I'm a Vietnam vet. People give offer me quilts and afghans and everything else. I pass them on. You pass them on to the people that need them more than I do. I'm still standing proud and walking walking and talking loud. And I'm and you know what? There's another thing that's going on right now. I think finally there's a wake up call in Washington. There's a glimmer of hope, Rita, when I say that, because the new Congress, the Republican Party, they finally got in there with McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy. They're probably going to stand up and, and build a fire under the butts of these people, these in, indecisive, indes, the inside of Washington, the, the swamp. And what's going to happen, I think, you're going to see a new rising in this country. People are tired of this crap. They know that they have to do something now. Now they have the pressure on. 
because people in this country are getting ready. There is going to be a revolution if it doesn't happen in this right now. There's going to be a big turnaround in this country, and when I say hell's coming to breakfast, I mean that sincerely, honestly. And what's going to happen is you're going to see all this stuff being exposed. Uh, Christopher Ray coming out and saying what he just said. You know, this all started with China back when Bill Clinton signed the two trade agreements, the NAFTA and GATT agreements. That was a death knell to this our country and our way of life. That's when China started to move in, move in on our society. That's when it all began. Now we fast forward, and where are we right now? We're in a mess, and we got China breathing, breathing down our backs. And you know, at the end of the day, these people know they have to get off the stump. I don't expect the left to do that. They never will. They're going to continue to divide this country. Obama started that mess. He started that. He started all this mess. He divided this damn country. This is where we're at right now. And Joe Biden carried it on. And Joe Biden doesn't have a clue. He doesn't even live in this. He doesn't know what planet he lives on. And what they've done is they brainwashed Joe Biden. It's like they have a cassette tape they plug into him every day for these subliminal messages. And that's what they've done to this country. This guy's a walking, talking robot, nothing. And you know, but you know what, Pete, as somebody, and, and I always have such unbelievable respect for your service and obviously all our veterans and uh, your history is really powerful uh, in Vietnam. And for you to share that and to hear now, here you are back home and you got a guy who's leading America. His first responsibility is to be, quote, commander in chief. And yet it is so wide open. It is abysmal and it's shocking to me because that's the first priority of any president is to protect the homeland. Uh, and that should be the case whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, it doesn't matter. You're an American. And the fact that he's been so remiss, it, it is it is stunning. And people are so fed up. I hear your frustration, Pete. And I love your patriotism to this country. Thank you so much, my friend. Let's go to Steve in Long Island, line six. Thanks so much, Steve. Uh, listening to that mom testify uh, what she uh, had to say about her son's passing away from uh, fentanyl poisoning, it, it really, it was, a, it was a, a, a microphone drop for me in the sense that when Joy Behar uh, last week said that disgusting thing about how the uh, residents of Palestine were all Trump voters and they got what they deserved with that toxic uh, mess they have going on there. I said, you know, what? In, in my mind, I, let me change the words and say, you know what? Colorado is a Democratic stronghold state. They voted for Biden. I, I, I'm not thinking. I, I'm just playing with the words. Can you imagine if somebody said, well, you know what? You live in Colorado. You voted for Biden. You got what you deserved. I think at some point, you know, when you're having a feud, whether it's a country or it's neighbors or your relatives, something gets said where you say, you know what, enough. Let's, we got to really come to grips here with what's going on. What Joy Behar said was disgusting. And all those Democrats that were standing and, and cheering for what she said, Let's just change the words and change the victim here, and let's see what you know. Poll all those Democrats and say, well, you know what? You in Colorado, they voted for Biden. They got what they deserve. It has to stop. And as a a parent of four, 
Um, and I had two severely disabled children, and I lived with the pain every day of um, wondering what if my children were healthy. The the testifying that that woman did today and the things that she said brought me to tears. And me too. You know, yeah, being with those girls, uh, being with my girls for 26 years, I've shed a lot of tears. Um, my wife tirelessly uh, cares for them in a way that I could never do and never imagine anybody else doing. And when that Bravo. woman talked about losing two sons to fentanyl poisoning, at some point, someone's gotta, someone has to say, hey, guys, listen to what this woman says and drop the, 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 the party politics and realize that what, first of all, ABC should have edited that out of the show. They should never even let Joy Behar's words get on the air because the people that, that have suffered and will suffer for many years from what Joy Behar said. Not yeah, it was, by the way, was it was outrageous. And, and you're right. Um, it was so out of line and so inappropriate. And she makes a lot of comments like that. Um, but and also, but I also hear you, Steve, about the pain of this mother because I will never forget um, her words. They were just so searing and just so painful to hear, um, but so important. And I just hope again. I hope the Democrats hear it too because they gotta hear it. They need to hear it, Steve. Thank you so so much. By the way, I want to play this also, you guys, since we're talking about security and everything. Why is President not picking up the phone, President Biden, and saying to, again, President Xi in China, uh, what are you doing bringing fentanyl to our borders? What are you doing here? Well, he isn't doing anything also about the COVID lab leak. Today, the White House spent the entire day basically like in spin control. It was like, well, there's no consensus, and they're downplaying it. It was really interesting. I was looking at Mark Thiessen earlier today, and he is actually a pretty interesting guy, um, conservative guy. He's often on Fox. And he believes, he said, listen, a lot of this stuff, obviously, with COVID was happening during the election year. And he believes that many people, the Democratic side, are kind of diminishing it because they missed the mark. And at the time, all they wanted to do was focus on Trump. Trump, 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 that they didn't want to deflect and put blame somewhere else other than Trump, that it's all Trump's fault and it can't be China's fault. So in other words, like the transmission of COVID, anything that's bad, they want to blame on Trump and they don't want to have the finger pointed somewhere else. It was an interesting thought. Um, But yet today, the White House, the whole day, they basically spend the day saying, oh, well, we're not really sure if this is true. It came from their own Department of Energy. And if it couldn't be clearer from that, It came very clearly just a few hours ago from the FBI director, Christopher Wray, who rarely does interviews. And this is what he said. He basically came right out and said that it is likely that the FBI believes that that leak, that a leak from a Wuhan lab, that Wuhan lab right down the street from the wet market, that a, quote, incident from that is responsible for COVID, that that's what they likely believe basically putting egg in the face at the White House. Take a listen. Now there's this Department of Energy study uh, that says it's likely uh, to have come from a lab leak, although the confidence is low. It cites the FBI. What is the determination by the FBI? So uh, as you note, Brett, uh, the FBI has for quite some time now assessed 
that the origins of the pandemic are most likely a potential lab incident in Wuhan. Let me step back for a second. You know, the FBI has folks, agents, professionals, analysts, virologists, microbiologists, etc., who focus specifically on the dangers of biological threats, which include things like novel viruses like COVID, uh, and the concerns that, that in the wrong hands, some bad guys, a hostile nation state, a terrorist, a criminal, uh, the threats that those could pose. So here you're talking about a potential leak from a Chinese government-controlled lab that killed millions of Americans, and that's precisely what that capability uh, was designed for. Wow. Boy, that's a little different than the White House. That's like, well, we're not really sure. So why is the White House like walking on eggshells to assume that the lab leak theory, which now Energy Department and now you just heard from the head of the FBI, both saying it plainly, clearly that they believe likely that is the cause. Why is the White House so wimpy and so afraid to go after China? And why do they want to downplay it? How are you ever going to get to a solution? How are you ever going to get to the root of what caused COVID so it doesn't happen again? It was one of the most catastrophic things in world history, and you don't even care to pick up the phone or try to get a solution? Well, listen to this Chinese virologist. Uh, he was on Fox last night. Take a listen to what he said. And I won't tell, of course, it was not an accident. And maybe for people who don't have this kind of biosafety lab three or four uh, experience, uh, experience on coronavirus, maybe it's easy for them to accept the accident and lab leak. However, I'm the scientist working in such lab using coronavirus. And I can tell you, based on the print, uh, protocol and also the other uh, surveillance uh, system, it will be impossible for the lab leak accidentally happened in such lab and caused the Wuhan outbreak and also the pandemic. So definitely now we just reached to the first step. It was from China's lab and we need to pursue the uh, truth of origin and we need to keep going on. Wow. So she says uh, this wasn't just a leak. It was an intentional accident coming from that same lab. Will we ever get to the bottom of it? And does the FBI director saying that it's likely it came from an incident at the lab? Maybe that's his way to say, hey, it could have been something else. Uh, what does that mean? And does that put a lot of egg on the face of this White House? Why are they so wimpy about going after China? It is shocking. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll take your calls when we come back. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we're talking about the origins of COVID on the Rita Cosby Show. You know, it is absolutely stunning that President Biden and the rest of the White House crew basically are like, well, there's no consensus. They're really poo-pooing. Basically, even the information that their energy department's putting forth saying it's likely it was a Wuhan lab leak. And now we got the FBI director, Christopher Ray coming out and saying it's likely a, quote, incident at the Wuhan lab. What more does it take? Why is this president so wimpy when it comes to looking at the origins of something that killed 6.8 million people around the world? If this president doesn't take the lead, if America doesn't take the lead, 
the rest of the world has really nowhere to go with this. If the White House doesn't say we are demanding that inspectors come in, we are getting everybody around the world, we're going to isolate you, China, if you don't at least put in inspectors and we can at least take a look at the lab, also interview people, find out where these people who suddenly disappeared, remember, who were tied to the lab and some people who came out and said that they believed it started at the lab. Remember, some of them no longer around. Where did they go? Are they even on this planet to be able to give testimony? We need to get to the bottom of it. And this president, it seems, is afraid of China so bad that he won't even pick up the phone with President Xi and say, what the heck is going on? We are demanding answers. It is stunning to me. And it is shocking. And to me, it is reprehensible that a president of this country would actually just sort of let it slip through the cracks and just say, well, the White House is like, well, we're not really sure. You're not really sure. You have the FBI of the Energy Department. Uh, Dr. Fauci has some splaining to do. And I think a lot of other people, too. And I hope we get to the bottom of it. People deserve answers. And this president uh, has to buck up. And start acting like a leader. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Anastasia on line eight. Anastasia, your thoughts. Good evening, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. What I want to say is we put the wolf to watch the sheep. Unfortunately, our president does not care for America. He showed it in many, many ways. So far, he has proven that he's incapable of keeping this country the way we had beautiful America. Where is America? Unfortunately, this administration is, this has destroyed the beautiful values of um, we all hoped and came to this country for. And that's a sad thing, Anastasia. Boy, the way, is that a sad thing, Anastasia? Because can you imagine, my goodness, if it was under President Trump, Anastasia? I mean, remember, he kept saying China, China, China. I mean, he was always kind of saying, hey, we got to watch our backs on it. And everybody was like, oh, why is he saying China all the time? Well, maybe because they have spy balloons. Maybe because a lab leak likely caused COVID. Uh, Maybe he was right. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, Let's go to Phil, line three. Phil, your thoughts about all this. As a veteran of the United States Armed Forces, Vietnam era, uh, I've come to understand what America is, and that's why I fought for it. The point is, America is not what it is anymore. The, the, The number of people who died reportedly from COVID is a testimony to the fact that we have an enemy. This was purposeful. The second point I'm making is that the, the government now is slowly, grindingly, slowly trying to slip out from under the rock that's, that fell on top of them, the rock of blame. But it's too late because the blame is already there. The third thing is, I think an incumbent on some legal authority or some, someone who, who can do it to go after these drug companies, big pharma, and get our money back. Get the money back on all these these vaccines where people were told you don't get the shot, you don't got the job. Also, the fact that they were causing heart disease in people. They were causing defects in the heart from the uh, vaccine. 
Hey, Phil, Black let me let me let me um, just start with what the first thing you said. You believe that it was intentional. You believe this was spread intentionally. Why do you believe that? Look, look, look. We fought these people down there. These people are barbaric. They had they were recruiting 14 and 15 year old kids to be snipers in South Vietnam to go to, across the border and shoot American soldiers. OK, please. These people are utterly barbaric. They will they will sell their grandchildren into sexual slavery if they if they had the opportunity. These are the worst kind of people. And I don't refer to the American Chinese, the people who are here legitimately. These are very decent people. They respect the law and they make they make sure they walk the right path. But but the the presence of the communist government in China is the biggest detriment to this world. It's getting worse and worse. And you know what the joke of it is? Even if Trump and, and DeSantis formed a team and got in the White House for eight years, they could barely deal with resolving half the problems we have. The, the fentanyl, the, the, the uh, other problems. But Phil, problem, at least they could try. Problem. And that's a lot more uh, than we're seeing Forget now. About it, Rita, if they, you know? It's not even a matter of trying. If they, if, it's, it's a little bit too late. We're, we're at, at, at the doomsday clock. We're, we're 30 seconds before doomsday. It's some, what you need is you get 4 million people to go down to that damn White House and stand out there and ask for, ask for answers. And you go to the governor of the state of New York and you ask for answers. They're cutting the, the, the food stamps on elderly and disabled people, including veterans. Which is outrageous, Phil. Um, the thought that they would be cutting that on veterans is outrageous. And I, you know, I don't understand why there aren't more protests, whether it's at the White House or at the border or elsewhere. Uh peacefully, patriotically, but get your voices heard, everybody. Phil, thank you. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.